that produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The fruits of the Spirit really embody what we've been talking about over the past eight weeks in this sermon series that we've titled Toss Salad, a New Testament vision uh, for the church. And the, the fruits of the Spirit are really a gauge. They kind of give us a, uh, a glimpse to, at the character yes. of who God is. Mm-hmm. And so if we're looking for anything out of this series to kind of gauge how it is that we're doing at interacting with one another and interacting with uh, others, uh, the fruits of the Spirit would be a great gauge, yeah, great gauge absolutely. to use. So we have been experiencing uh, a lot of interesting things over a long, actually, period of time, past four months or so, under this COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And several weeks ago, you and I uh, did this exact same thing, yeah. where we sat in front of the congregation uh, digitally, and we um, kind of unpacked the thought of what is it that God is doing in the midst of this pandemic? What is he calling us to during this, this historical time? Mm-hmm. And actually, who is God calling us to be? Yeah. How is he calling us to respond within this crisis? Is there any corrections that we need to receive or need to adjust in the way that we gather, the way that we live our lives as the Christian church? And so we called the congregation to listen to a posture that James, the brother of Jesus, also calls us to, to to just be slow to speak, quick to listen, and to specifically listen to the oppressed, to listen to those voices that are often not heard in our society very well. And then throughout this series, we've been looking at the New Testament and to see what the New Testament specifically says about what God's call for his church truly is. What should the church look like? What should the church act like in a broken world full of challenges? And so I've asked Pastor Tamil to join me this morning so that we can do a bit of a wrap-up to just highlight some of the things that that spoke to each of us throughout this sermon series to kind of bring some highlights to you folks uh, as a remembrance of some of the things that we've taught over a long period of eight weeks. And so I'm going to just start, if you don't mind, yeah, Camille, absolutely, go for it. With uh, with some personal highlights, some things that I feel really spoke to me as I was preparing all of these sermons and and so on. And the first is that um, it really dawned on me as I was working through Scripture about the call to live in oneness with Christ and with each other. Mm-hmm. This this oneness, this. You know, we, we talk about that in marriage and things like that, but Scripture is very distinctly calling us one. Yeah. What Paul says is in Christ. 
And we talked about the passage in Galatians where there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no male, there is no female. And the way I like to interpret that is there's just humanity and Jesus. There's those created in his image, which is all of humanity. And then there's Jesus Christ. And that specifically scripture calls us to unity, not uniformity. So we have this this breaking down of, of barriers, of hierarchy, of barriers of gender, and just learning to see people as human beings created in God's image. But then we tend to move us toward a posture of uniformity where we all try to be the same. And that was when we introduced the toss salad concept and the different types of salads. You can go back and you can listen to the past eight weeks to find out all about that. But specifically what I really felt uh, impressed on my heart about that was how the gifts are to work. Mm-hmm. within the body of Christ, moving us from uniformity into unity. So this radical call of just humanity and Jesus, and then this movement of, I've given you these gifts through my Holy Spirit to create unity in the body so that the body can work together. Now, another piece that really spoke to me was the importance of living under the grace and love that we've been given through Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. And that more specifically, when we learn to accept and live under this grace and this love, that that we pass on this amazing gift to others. And so when we truly begin to understand the grace that we've received and the love that Jesus Christ gives us, a love that was willing to give up his life for us, that when we receive that, it, it comes out in our lives and then is passed on because of that kind of coming out, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And also the deep need to never forget where we came from. And so this, this radical view of seeing others and ourselves as being made in the image of God, being willing, being able to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the the spirit empowering us to move into unity rather than uniformity. And the only way to really actually accomplish this is to never forget where we came from, Mm -hmm. to never think that through our own ability, through our own competencies, through our own power, that we are able to make things right with God, that we are able to make things right with one another and function in relationship the way that scripture calls us to. Uh, without that oneness with Christ, mm-hmm. without these radical call to, to just seeing humans as humans. So I really think that uh, the church presses into this and does its best to try to live these things that the church universally, you know, we individually at times try and at times don't do so well and we kind of go back and forth. But I really think that that oneness, that unity, and that remembering where we came from mm-hmm. is really what the New Testament calls us individually and corporately to live. Yeah, it's central for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, when I reflect back over the series and what, what jumped out to me, there's a lot of, of overlap with some of the things yeah. that you said. But what, one of the things that really struck me was just how simple 
the gospel is mm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And we have a yeah. tendency to make it more complicated. And, you know, we have debates about theology yeah. and we get caught up worrying about who's in and who's out and whether we're measuring up or whether we're not measuring up and all of these things. And we can make it very complex and complicated and almost like cluttered. But yeah. if, if you go back over the messages that we've been working through, um, they keep coming back to this reality of life in Christ. Yeah. Right, that we're just called to this unity with yeah. Jesus, that we're yeah. united with Christ and that we're united with one another. Yeah. And then the newness comes from that. Yeah. And the, the, the flourishing, the faithfulness, all of these things that, uh, that we're called to as followers of Jesus are, are rooted in and come from that relationship. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, it's so beautiful that even though it's not easy because we're so easily distracted and we get pulled off course, mm -hmm. it's not easy, but it is simple. Yeah. And again and again, we need to come back to that simple reality of the gospel yeah. Um, yeah. because that's what moves us forward. Yeah. Another thing that really stood out to me was just the freedom that I think mm -hmm. um, came through in this series. And uh, specifically, I think that um, sometimes I've heard a lot, of, a lot of people wrestling with this tendency that we, we have to feel like um, we need to call people out. Uh, right. Yeah. That if we if we associate with people, if we embrace people in our communities, in our lives, if we uh, engage in friendship with with people who maybe are living in a way that we might think is outside of God's will for us. Yeah. Um, we have the sense that we're affirming what they're doing or that we're endorsing their behavior. And so I've heard a lot of my friends and a lot of Christians kind of wrestling with, um, do I have to exclude this person? They might not, we, we might not say it in those words exactly, but yeah. that's the sense, right? Yeah. We, we worry that it, we're not being faithful if yeah. we're not calling people out. Yeah. But there was this beautiful message that was consistent all the way through um, that we're, we're essentially called to love. Mm. We're called to love and to point people towards Jesus. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit does that work of convicting. Yeah. Right. And, and we're going to have meaningful, truth filled conversations with people as we journey together in faith. But we're free from that need to kind of try to control other people's lives and, and make yeah. sure that, that they're uh, living into the, the kind of lifestyle that we think. Yeah. we all need to be living into. Yeah, Colossians, so, Colossians says that, right? Totally, the, yeah. The bond that happens is actually through love. Yeah. He, he calls us to kindness and gentleness and all these other things that are very similar to the fruits of the Spirit, but he says what bonds all that together mm -hmm. is actually love. Without love. that bond, it just doesn't work. Exactly. Right? So that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple of other things that were really cool for me in, in kind of a different, more personal way throughout this series. Yeah. One of them was uh, at, at the beginning of this year, I know we, we've spoken about this before, but at the beginning of this year, there was a passage that I came across in the book of Isaiah, and I read it for the first time in the message. Mm -hmm. And the way that, that, uh, that I, I read it, the way that Eugene Peterson translated in the message, it just struck me in such a, a new way. And it really, I felt like, like God laid it on my heart. Yeah. And the passage is essentially saying, it's, it's God saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick of your meetings, meetings, yeah. meetings, meetings. I'm sick of all this religion. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't stand it anymore. And here's why. It's because you've gone off course. Yeah. And so he calls his people back to goodness. And there's this reality that, um, that people of God can get distracted and, and caught up in a way of living that's not consistent with how God's calling us to live. Yeah but yet go on with our religious practices. Yeah, and not consistent with his character. Not consistent with his character, right? exactly, yeah. 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 And that when we do that, 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 that God can't stand it. Yeah. It matters to him that his people are, are living out his character and his yeah. love. Yeah. And, uh, and so this passage, 
it talks about the, the meetings, right? The, the significance of these meetings yeah. that had kind of gone south. And so I remember um, sharing this, this passage from the message, Isaiah 1 from the message at our vision meeting yeah. in, in the winter. We were talking about mm-hmm. where we want to go as a church. And I just felt like, you know, it's, it's important that whatever we do, that our gatherings are centered in what God's calling us to yeah. Yeah, and that's very important to us. Yeah. It's very important to us as church leaders that our, our gathering is about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And and not about other sort of peripheral things that we're always honoring God with our gatherings that he's not displeased with our gatherings. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so the, so then what I did is I printed out this verse and I, and I stuck it on my bulletin board and then I forgot about it. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what we do, That's right? what we do. Yeah. Like, I was God at speaks it. to us, we stick it on a bulletin <laughs> yeah. board, and we forget. Look at it every day, but it was, <laughs> yeah. it, I kind of just stopped engaging with it. And then, uh, like, in the middle of COVID, I, it jumped out at me again. And just this reality that it's, it's speaking about meetings, right? Yeah. How God's sick of meetings that have gone south. And uh, meanwhile, we're in the season where all of our meetings are on hold. And, uh, and we're not able to gather. And, and you talked about this passage yeah. in, in one of the, the sermons that you preached. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and really, Paul kind of did a teaching in, in Corinthians yeah. around communion. Yes. Right? And how yeah. the, the church in Corinth had gotten their center off kilter. Yeah. They were no longer keeping Jesus at the center of yeah. their meetings, right? Yeah. And so it's this, this theme that we see that we kind of have this tendency to get our alignment off yeah. and we get our center off, right? And so it, it wasn't just a problem in, in Isaiah. It wasn't just a problem in Corinth. It's a problem for us. And so um, we're called, I think, once again in this season to, to make sure that what we're doing as a church, the way that our gatherings are functioning, yeah. um, is keeping Jesus at the center. Yeah, and we've been given an amazing opportunity to actually spend some time listening mm-hmm. to God and, and allowing God to direct us and shape us as a church. Mm-hmm. And we're still in that posture totally. in many ways because we don't know where this is going. And tons of people have lots of opinions. And I mean, I've been so taken back with social media and the way that people are behaving in the Christian church, let alone outside of it, and everybody's opinions of different things. And we won't get into any of that. Everybody's welcome to have their opinion. Just don't air it on Facebook. But anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, it it really does, when you read passages like that and you listen to teachings that Paul gives, it really has to cause you to take a step back and say, why do we, we meet? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose behind it? Mm-hmm. And what are we accomplishing in our, in our meetings? Mm-hmm. Are our meetings a secret thing that only the right society can belong to? Or right. are they open and welcome to everybody? Are they equipping the saints and sending the saints out? Are they helping people hear about Jesus? Like, what are these meetings? What are we trying to do? And yeah. I think we do get off. Yeah. I think we do. Yeah. And and in a season of crisis, and and we've talked about this in a season of crisis, every one of us individually and corporately, I think we start sifting through what matters and what doesn't and what have we been doing well and and what haven't we. Yeah. Um, Have you been checking out the news lately? The last few days, there's been this article in the news and I've been finding it really, uh, really interesting. Yeah. I've Um, given up on the news. Oh, yeah. I don't watch it. It creates mass (laughs) depression. And things like that. Yeah, I so, can't blame you for that. I, I, I can't blame you yeah. for that. Um, 
So there's this wild thing that's been happening, and, and some of you may know more about this than I do, but I've been seeing this in the headlines where people have been receiving seeds, packages of seeds. in like plant seeds? Yes. Like little seeds. <laughs> yeah, okay. packages of seeds in the mail, yeah. and they're calling them unsolicited seeds. So people are yeah. just receiving them. They don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, but throughout Canada and, and the United States, this is happening, and uh, it's causing some concern, right? They're, they're thinking that this could be um, some sort of threat that people are receiving these seeds. And so yeah. the, the Food Inspection Agency uh, has been issuing these warnings. And if I go on Twitter, if I pull up the news, I keep seeing these warnings. It just says, like, don't plant these seeds. Like, yeah. if you get these seeds, these unsolicited seeds, like, just don't plant them. Yeah. Right. And the reason yeah. is because we we don't know what kind of things they could uh, they could grow. Right. And yeah. so yeah. we could be dealing with invasive species and these kinds of things. And so uh, Food Inspection uh, Canada is just saying, like, D just whatever you do, don't plant these seeds. Yeah. And it reminds so me. So obviously people are planting the <laughs> well, I mean, seeds, what are you I, I seeds, suspect, right? Because right? yeah. they wouldn't tell us not to. Right. Okay, go on. It's, it's some cause for concern, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and invasive species can cause a lot of problems, I guess. Yeah. And, and apparently it costs a lot of money um, for society having to deal with these invasive species that can grow. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so it got me thinking about this passage in Galatians, right, where Paul uh, talks about yeah. uh, sowing and reaping. And he, he essentially says, it's in Galatians 6, right after Fruit of the Spirit, actually. Yeah. He yeah. says, don't, don't be misled. Like, you reap mm -hmm. what you sow. Yeah. You reap what you sow. And so if, you, yeah. if you're sowing into selfishness, mm -hmm. um, you're, you're not going to have much harvest in your life, right? And if yeah. you're sowing into the Spirit, God's going to do beautiful things. Beautiful things will grow yeah. in your life. Yeah. And it's not like this is karma, right? It's like this reality that um, over time, the way that we're spending our, our, uh, our, the way that we're thinking and the way that we're making our decisions, yeah. um, there's implications to that. Yeah. Right? And yeah, if it's, absolutely. What kind of seeds are we planting? Yeah. Are we just randomly receiving them in the mail and throwing them in the dirt and saying, <laughs> exactly. hey, great? Or are we actually you know, yeah. looking at the type of seed that it is and what yeah. would grow from that seed? Yeah. yeah. That's a cool analogy, yeah. actually, to a really strange world event it's a little bizarre so i think we're right in a now. season where we're kind of over the last several months we're kind of looking at what we've been growing right yeah. and we're and we're kind of taking notice that maybe there's been some invasive species yeah. <laughs> growing in our lives or in our communities and we're in like a prime opportunity yeah. to, to start to deal with that yeah. and to let god's beauty grow in our lives as we center ourselves yeah. in him yeah you know really i mean the purpose of the church in scripture is to be the kingdom of God in the present world. Mm -hmm. And the Christian life is, is all about learning to live into that kingdom reality. Mm -hmm. This is often what, so what we have to be doing is seeking his kingdom. Yeah. And he says, seek first the kingdom, yeah. right? Nothing else, seek yeah. first the kingdom. And so if we are to manifest the kingdom of God in this present world through the church, and the Christian life is about learning to live in the reality of that kingdom, we need to really begin to seek God's presence in our lives so mm -hmm. that we can learn what the embodiment of that kingdom really looks like. Yeah. And the kingdom, really, a simple way to look at it is where God's will is being done. Right. I've preached this in the Kingdom of God series that we did a while back, mm -hmm. and I've been touching on it slightly throughout this, this sermon series. And, and really, what this means is, is that we're, we're a mixed group of people called to do life together, no matter what our differences are. Yeah. 
Now, we're connected, though, the scriptures say, through Christ, or using Pauline language, in Christ. Mm -hmm. So we're connected in Christ because we're forgiven by grace and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and we're called to live in unity and holiness and newness and freedom. These are all the things we've been touching on yeah. over the past yeah. eight weeks. All the while, mm -hmm. so all of that, which is amazing in itself, all the while being nudged and guided by the Holy Spirit to love. So he nudges and guides us for some very specific things. Mm -hmm. And according to scripture, very specifically to love all people. Yeah. To love all people, to see all of all humanity as God's creation. Yeah. To love all people and to put others above ourselves. You know, folks, Col Colossians chapter 3, verses 11 to 17, I'm not going to read it for you. We don't have time, but you can, you can uh, reference that. That really captures what this whole series was about. But there is actually a story mm -hmm. that Jesus gives us in the Gospels, specifically in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And it's a great example of this kingdom earth reality that we are actually called to. And so I just want to, it's actually uh, the passage that was read by Giselle yep. earlier on yeah. in the service. And so I want to very quickly just kind of get some thoughts on what we think Jesus is doing with that and how it connects actually to the way uh, that the sermon series rolls out. So in Luke chapter 10, what we see is an expert in the law. So we see a typical gospel uh, narrative where Jesus is being asked questions by different people and in this specific situation it's an expert in the law. So we've got an expert asking Jesus, the, the Jewish rabbi, questions and he asks him about inheriting eternal life. Mm -hmm. How do I go about inheriting eternal life? Do you know how many people ask me, how do yeah. I go about inheriting eternal life? In other words, though, and I do think that, that that is often a misunderstood section of the passage, but how do I live my life eternally mm -hmm. is actually kind of the way the passage reads. Not just for heaven, but right now. Right. So that's what this, this expert in the law is asking Jesus. Yeah. And essentially in, in this, the guy answers his own question. Yeah. And so Jesus... The answer the guy gives is because Jesus says, well, like, if you want to know the answer to this question, it's written in the law yeah. and you're an expert in the law. So tell me what you think that that is. Yeah. And that expert says, yeah. love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So here is this Pharisee expert in the law that understands that all of the law is summarized into these two things. Love God, love your neighbor. Jesus then says, well, you've answered correctly and yep, he's ready to on. just move on. Yeah. But then this guy does something really super interesting. He's not fully satisfied. He kind of wants to justify his answer a little bit. And we, yeah, we do this, that is, don't we? Isn't that so interesting, right? Mm -hmm. he, yeah, he says he wants to justify himself. We're so prone to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. aren't we? <laughs> yes. And so Jesus then, like mm -hmm. Jesus does, yeah. gives him a story yes. to take his justification a little bit further, he gives him a story. And the story is about a guy who gets beat up and robbed and he's lying on the side of the, on the, side of the road, whatever yep. that looked like in, in first century Palestinian yep. <laughs> Judaism. And, uh, and we've got three characters. 
we've got a priest, mm-hmm. we've got a Levite, who, who are two very similar kind of people, uh, and then we've, we've got a Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And a Samaritan is sort of a half Jew, half not. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not very liked by the Jewish people at all. They're kind of seen as dirty and unclean, but yet they, they do practice aspects of the Jewish faith. Yeah, there's a lot and, of similarities. And so yeah. Yeah. And so Jesus gives him this story, and it's essentially like a what are you going to do story. Mm -hmm. You've got this person who is on the side of the road. He's in deep distress and needs help. And what are you going to do? And what do we see? The priest crosses the road. Mm -hmm. The Levite crosses the road. These are the religious people at the time who are living their lives for God, Mm -hmm. and they cross the road. They can't help this guy because... He's bleeding. Yeah. He could be dead. Right. And in their law, in their religion, you can't touch a corpse and you can't touch blood. Yeah. Right? Other than in the sacrificial system, da da da. We're not going to get into all that. Yeah. They have to make a distinct decision. Mm -hmm. They have to decide am I going to break the law of my religion in order to care for this person? They decided no. Yeah. Then, a Samaritan, of all people, a the Samaritan. worst the for worst. Jesus' listeners. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Lowest Sa- of the low in yeah. their mind. Yeah. A Samaritan comes along who is also aware of what those laws are mm-hmm. and basically doesn't even bat an eye, mm-hmm. picks this guy up, takes him to an inn, gets him all the things he needs to get well, and it sacrificially costs him money mm-hmm. and time. Mm-hmm. which are the two things in our society that we just don't want people to cost yes, us. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So what is it that Jesus is trying to tell us in this story that links to what we've been navigating yep. throughout all of this? So I think that often when we look at this story, we see this act of compassion, mm-hmm. right? We see, and, and that's often kind of where we land, which is totally important, right? So Jesus actually changes the question a little bit, right? So that the man asks, who's my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't doesn't ask or doesn't uh, have him answer the question of who the neighbor is. He says, what's it like to be neighborly? That's really the point, yeah. right? The Samaritan is, is the one who's acting like a neighbor. Yep. Um, but uh, the point I think is that Jesus is making is much bigger than just the act of compassion, right? Yes. He's yeah, actually- I agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he is rubbing up against all of the things that this uh, religious scholar would have believed about Samaritans. Yeah. And essentially what he's saying is like this person who you believe is on the outside, this person that you believe doesn't have a chance in the kingdom of God yeah. um, is the hero of this story. Yeah. They actually, he, he understands God better yeah. than, than um, the religious elite. Yeah. And that we can learn something, right? Yeah. You said this to, to me. So this isn't my thought. This is actually That's yours. But, but you said, <laughs> and, and correct me if I get it wrong. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, one of the things that you reflected on that I loved so much was that we can learn from this Samaritan. Yeah. So that we can learn from people yeah. who, whether through our religion or through just our opinions of life and lifestyle, don't live the way we think they should be. Yeah. That we can actually learn from them. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that call to listen. Yeah. Because the Samaritan is the oppressed one. Yep. The Samaritan is the one who's always being judged. Mm-hmm. And this man dying on the side of the road or injured on the side of the road, he needs help. And when you see people in God's image, mm-hmm. you help. 
Yeah. And it's interesting because that's exactly what this teacher uh, of the law, this expert in the law identified. Yeah. It's about all of the law, yeah. which they're following, mm -hmm. is about loving God and loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And he identifies at the end of this mm -hmm. story that it's the Samaritan that does what is right. Mm -hmm. So how, like, so, so all of the law is built into these two things and yet mm -hmm. the law stopped them from loving mm -hmm. their neighbor. It's interesting, right? I think sometimes we just hope that Jesus hates the people we hate. Like, I think that that's what we're seeing here, right? He's, he, he gets it. He knows that th these are the important commandments, yeah. but he's just hoping that there's a loophole, yeah. right? He's, he's hoping that, um, that yeah. God will have an exception for the, the people that he views as being on the outside, but Jesus' story just doesn't allow for it, yeah. right? He says, no, this is this, these people that you consider um, in the margins, that you, you, you push to the sidelines, uh, have yeah. a look and see what you can learn from them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so in this story, one of the things that um, really speaks to me is that, you know, we're, we're all kind of one of those characters. Mm -hmm. In one, like it can vary at different points in our lives. Sometimes we cross the street. Mm -hmm. Other times maybe we decide to help. Mm -hmm. But we all stumble through all of this. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. I mean, there's the, the, the typical, typical reason, selfishness. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes I think it's a lack of understanding of grace or love yeah. or, or the fact that we're forgiven and that we should be forgiving others and loving others. I, I think it's human nature to struggle with this, this kind of others-shaped life that Scripture calls us to. Yeah, if no other reason than because we're busy. Right? Yeah. I think often it's just like, well, we got somewhere to go. I see someone yeah. who needs help, but you know, I've got I've got somewhere to be. I guess my watch is actually over here. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and it gets in the way. Yeah. You know, it gets in the way of our um, call to love. Yeah, and you know, I really think, and I dealt with this in one of the sermons that mm -hmm. I thought was actually one of the core pieces of this whole series, which was the teaching that I did in First Corinthians, mm -hmm. where I took chapter 10, 11, and 12 mm -hmm. and showed everybody how it all interconnects together. And I think that Jesus gives us a tool that helps us with our stumbling. Mm -hmm. So he recognizes that we stumble and he's not punishing us for us. He's not angry. It is not part of his character to spew hate. Mm -hmm. uh, he wants to love and he wants to be in relationship with us. And so when we stumble, he's not hating us. He's not angry at us. Mm -hmm. He wants us to draw closer to him so he can draw mm -hmm. closer he's to us, drawing us to back. learn to live life in his presence. Yeah. And so he calls us very specifically in that Corinthian passage to the table, yeah. to communion, yeah. to to live our lives essentially at the table, which is how we shaped this sermon series. Mm -hmm. The table mm -hmm. with people around it eating a tossed salad, right? Everybody is welcome to the table. And the table reminds us that we're all welcome, mm -hmm. not just some, but that we're all welcome and that Jesus died for everyone so we could actually know the Father. And, and the, the table knocks down the barriers of things like racism and separation and uniformity. Yeah. Because uniformity is not bringing us unity. And so we need to knock down those barriers. And the table, the communion table, the call to remember, mm -hmm. the call to be thankful, the call to um, reflect, mm -hmm. it knocks down all these barriers and it unites us through the oneness 
-hmm. of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the centerpiece of the Christian church is actually communion. That's right. A, a practice that we've sort of, you know, once a month, let's just get through this and, oh, we're doing communion today, maybe I'll leave early. Yeah. Like all of these things where Jesus is using that as a huge tool. Yeah. He knows how easily we forget, right? Yeah. And so he gives us, the, gives us this practice that yeah. again and again, we can be drawn back to this reality that it's all about his presence. Yeah. And when we're sitting at the table, we're sitting alongside people who uh, we at one point may have cro crossed the road to get away from, Yeah. right? And we, yeah. we may be sitting beside a Samaritan or some, somebody that we didn't think yeah. at one point belonged or, or could belong in the kingdom. Yeah. But it's this beautiful reality that it's not our table, it's, it's God's table. It's, exactly. it's a table of Christ. Exactly. And, and so we come together yeah. and all of those labels, all of those walls that once stood between us, everything that once got in the, in the way of our relationships with each other, our relationships with Jesus yeah. are just gone. Yeah. And, and we're brought once again to the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And so the unifying peace that Jesus gives us mm -hmm. when we're stumbling, when we're struggling, when we're doing right and we're doing wrong and we're playing that game back and forth, which is very normal for mm -hmm. a human being in this broken world. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, center yourself in me. Mm -hmm. Bring yourself back to remembering who I am. Unify together. The table is the most unifying thing that we have as the Christian church. Mm -hmm. And it's accomplished through his death and resurrection on the cross. Mm -hmm. And the table calls us back to a life of surrendering our lives to him. Mm -hmm. That's what it calls us back to because he gave his life for us. And that is the ultimate expression mm -hmm. of love. Mm -hmm. And so I think in order to wrap up this series, we mm -hmm. as a church body mm -hmm. need to practice being at the table together. Mm -hmm. And so we want to call you to reflect. Yeah, that's right. Um, as we're saying this, I'm just, I'm just remembering that reaping and sowing <laughs> yeah. uh, analogy. And uh, I just... It's brought back to this memory of uh, when I, I had this townhouse in Brantford and I had a, a backyard there and it was just completely overgrown with weeds. And, yeah. uh, and so I let it go and I let it go for the longest time. And then one day I was just like done with it. And so I decided was that I was just going to tear it all up. And I literally <laughs> pulled up the entire, it was a townhouse. So it was a small little backyard, yeah. but I pulled everything. I pulled up everything so that I could uh, figure out what needed to go down and, and build something beautiful out of that space. Yeah. And I think that like we're continuously given this invitation to, um, to come before Christ yeah. and to ask what we need to, to tear out of our lives, what we need to let go of, what we need to leave behind yeah. so that what God wants to grow in our lives through his presence, through the Holy Spirit can yeah. grow. Yeah. And so this morning, that's the invitation as we prepare to head into communion. Uh, we just want to give you an opportunity to take a few moments to reflect. Uh, Paul, in, in that passage in Corinthians that we've spoke about, he, yeah. he calls us to examine our hearts yeah. as we go to the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to go into uh, a worship song, yeah. um, a song about this beautiful exchange that happens at the cross. And as we do that, I just want to invite you to open yourself yeah. up before God, to ask him if maybe there's been some things in your life that you need to tear up, that you need to let go of, yeah. uh, and, and to ask him what he wants to do new in your life. Yeah. And to just once again,
be drawn into this beautiful reality of his presence and uh, his grace that yeah. we experience yeah. at the table. So will you join us as we just take this time to let these words cause us to reflect mm -hmm. on the beautiful exchange that happens on the cross. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take the bread with me this morning, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your body, broken for us, so that we could know you, so that we could be in a relationship with you, so that we could be made right with you, and so that we could experience the love that you offer through your grace. So Lord, bless your body as we partake this morning in remembrance of you. Will you take the bread with me? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup 
is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of uh, the new covenant that we have through your blood. Center us once again in your presence, in our union with you and our union with one another. God, and help us to be people who represent your kingdom in our world. Amen. Let's drink this cup together, remembering the new covenant that we have in his blood. Will you join us as we read from our denominational confession of faith, declaring who we are and what we believe? We believe and trust in God, our Father Almighty. We believe and trust in Jesus Christ, his Son. We believe and trust in the Holy Spirit. We believe and trust in the three in one. As followers of Christ, we're invited to turn from ignorance of God to a personal relationship with God, from bondage of sin and past mistakes to freedom, forgiveness, and healing, from individualism to interdependence with others in the local church, from lifestyle choices that harm us, others, and the earth, to choices that nurture wholeness, healing, joy, and peace, from hating enemies and ignoring neighbors to showing love and justice to all, from loving possessions to sharing with all in need, from aimless existence to a mission of representing and proclaiming God's kingdom on earth. Thank you for joining us, everybody, and thank you for journeying with us through this past eight weeks in this series. We hope you have a great week. We're going to wrap up our service for this morning with a traditional doxology that's going to be sung for us by the Fox Weeb family. Praise.